when you learn to emphasize improvement over perfection, progress accelerates. Nothing needs to be perfect. Welcome to the third episode of Sing Daily. Today, I want to go through this tweet storm by Naval Ravikant. So who is Naval Ravikant? Monk meet VC. Enlightened scientist, I would say. I mean, that's my take on the guy. So apparently Naval has like 1.1 million followers on Twitter. And uh, he's famous for this tweet storm that he did. The tweet storm goes how to get rich without getting lucky. I first saw Naval Ravikant on the Joe Rogan podcast. I listened to Joe Rogan. Okay, stop judging. And if you haven't listened to at least 10 episodes of Joe Rogan, you don't have an opinion on Joe Rogan. Okay. <laughs> I, I was talking to one of my friends, uh, Nixon, a few days ago, uh, and he told me that uh, he told me that Joe Rogan is the Oprah for men. I think that's a pretty good analogy. <laughs> okay, so here we go. The novel Ravikant tweet storm that made him super famous. Actually, I don't know if that made him super famous or the tweet is super famous, but bear with me. Okay, the first thread is seek wealth, not money or status. Wealth is having assets that earn while you sleep. Money is how we transfer time and wealth. Status is your place in the social hierarchy. Now, wow, that's very loaded. There's a lot going on here. Now, I think growing up in a middle class family in India and then moving to North America, living in now downtown Toronto, having a decent job. I feel like the relationship I've had with money and seeing how my parents were, you know, typical Asian parents who were very frugal, scrappy, but still made sure that they provided for me and my sister. The one thing I'm really impressed by is that how my dad was so calculated in terms of how he saved, spent his money. In fact, I've never seen him go shopping. Like, can you believe it? I've never in my life seen him go shop for clothes. There's a clear distinction between being rich and wealthy. What's that stat? Which is if you make over $40,000 a year USD, you're like in the top 1%. The distinction between being rich and wealthy is that wealth creation is that you're not working for the money anymore. Either you've got investments and they're generating money or you have real estate or whatever that asset is, it's generating the money and you are not actively engaged. So I think that relationship that I've had, and I'm sure a lot of you might have with money and how you see money and how you see your time and how you value your time. I think this tweet storm is really helpful in changing some of those perspectives and looking at money as a tool to be leveraged. Understand that ethical wealth creation is possible. If you secretly despise wealth, it will elude you. Ignore people playing status games. They gain status by attacking people playing wealth creation games. This is so funny because the idea of that you hate the rich or love the poor. Easy to attack someone who might have more money than you, because if you're making, let's say, more than $30,000 or $40,000 a year, you're in the top 1%. Firstly, doing anything is so hard. And when you start a company, 
you don't see money for a long time. And the really big startups that you see, they didn't get to positive cash flow for like a decade. And then finally, when they start making money, of course, you know, they that leverage because of now digital and internet, they they've skyrocketed, but but the founders invested decades before they saw any any returns. So I think the whole idea of like tax the rich is like such a complicated and nuanced subject. Even I don't fully understand it 100%. And I'm not the subject matter expert. My perspective is based on the fact that, you know, for anybody to start their own company, to make it profitable over a long period of time is very hard. And for someone who has never, ever run a company, been physically and emotionally pushed to their peak, should not get up and and make wild statements or recommendations. I think that just demonstrates like zero level of empathy. So ignore people playing status games. They gain status by attacking people playing wealth creation games. Consciously, you might want to become rich and wealthy, but in your subconscious brain, and this goes to like these books I'm reading with Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza, which talk about epigenetics and perception, which is that you could desire being rich and wealthy, but your behaviors don't reflect that. You're not going to get rich renting out your time. You must own equity, a piece of business to gain your financial freedom. You will get rich by giving society what it wants, but does not know how to get at scale. I think Naval Ravikant is like big on like leverage, leveraging either money or technology because he has this idea that, you know, that with technology, you have all these algorithms that you can leverage to help people at scale. And by helping a lot of people, you can generate a lot of money. Pick an industry where you can play long-term games and long-term people. I really like this perspective, which is that think long-term, think in decades, think in building relationships with people around you. The world is really small because when you pick an industry and you, you, know, you look at the, the top people in that field, it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. So if you f up, you do shady shit, it's going to come back real fast. Be a good person. The internet has massively broadened the possible space of careers. Most people haven't figured this out yet. Play iterated games. All the returns in life, whether in wealth, relationships, or knowledge, come from compound interest. Compound interest is so powerful, not only in how you can grow interest on your savings if invested properly, but also in relationships, in your skills, because something that you do every day for 15 minutes over a year is going to be hundreds of hours. At pick business partners with high intelligence, energy, and above all, integrity. That's a really important one. I think in terms of relationships, picking a life partner, somebody you're going to get, you know, be in a relationship with, or a business partner, I think those are so important because if you enjoy being in somebody's company versus you just loathe at the idea of being around that person, don't partner with cynics and pessimists. Their beliefs are self-fulfilling. Agreed. Learn to sell, learn to build. If you can do both, you will be unstoppable. I'm working on it. That's something I'm definitely working on. Arm yourself with specific knowledge, accountability, and leverage. Specific knowledge is knowledge that you cannot be trained for. If society can train you, it can train someone else and replace you. 
I think I also read another really uh, interesting quote somewhere, which, which is that you don't get paid for your hard work. You get paid based on how replaceable you are. Specific knowledge is found by pursuing your genuine curiosity and passion rather than whatever is hot right now. I think curiosity over solutioning. Have like that child mindset, which is constantly be seeking and questioning everything and be curious. Because a lot of times we just like accept life for what it is and things for what they are and people for what they are, processes, constantly challenge and be curious. That's brilliant advice. Building specific knowledge will feel like play to you, but will look like work to others. When specific knowledge is taught, it's through apprenticeship, not schools. Specific knowledge is often highly technical or creative. It cannot be outsourced or automated. I so deeply believe in that. I totally hated schools. I hated schools. I did not like school at all. I would hide under the, the kitchen table because I did just I just couldn't stand school. Everything about schools from uniforms, the processes, the systems, everything. Now that I actually think back at why I hated school so much and reflect on it, it actually just boils down to this ideology that you force kids to memorize everything versus becoming truth-seeking, curious, and questioning everything. I think if you can instill in children and even adults the ability to find the answers versus having the answers, I think that's a home run. Naturally, you know, humans, kids, if you observe kids, they're naturally very curious. They want to know why, 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 why. Of course, for parents, you know, and adults, uh, I've been around a lot of my niece and nephews and kids and it can become annoying. But instead of stifling that, it, you have to kind of nurture it and channel it. And uh, I think that's my biggest beef with education is that the focus was always on memorization and competition versus being curious, truth seeking, questioning and being and developing the skills to find the answers. I think that not only applies to kids, uh, but also adults. For adults, you know, the the work environment can be quite stifling, especially if you're like in a leadership position and you're kind of expected to have the answers. I've actually done a dedicated video on this subject, which is how to lead with curiosity. I'll link it below and maybe up here in the title card or something. Here's the way they taught. I really believe in this idea that, you know, if you're curious about something, pursue that. I was always curious about how amplifiers, speakers work. So I would open up my car, install the stereo, remove the stereo, try building the subwoofer boxes in different ways to see how the sound would change. And I would constantly be in this like scientific seeking, curious approach of trying and testing out new ideas. In fact, all my friends would joke, joke that Paul would just be found in his driveway with all his seats out of the car uh, with a new speaker box. I still hold that same principle is that if you want to learn something, all the information is available online for free. Most of it, right? Especially in the kind of field that I am in. Google it, watch YouTube videos, read, listen to podcasts, read articles. I think this also touches on this being self-taught. I like learning at my own pace and not, and it not becoming like some sort of a competition and being tested on it. Like what the 
embrace accountability and take business risks under your own name. Society will reward you with responsibility, equity, and leverage. So if you're going to help people solve a specific problem, people will line up and pay you and wait in line to get access to that thing that you can do or create. Cannot sit cross-legged the way I could before. The most accountable people have singular, public, and risky brands. Oprah, Trump, Kanye, Elon. I think the idea of like having a strong point of view on the world and just putting that out there, saying stuff that people will not like versus always being in this, I always want to be liked. Give me a lever long enough and a place to stand and I will move the earth. Archimedes. Fortunes require leverage. Business leverage comes from capital, people, and products with no marginal cost of replication. Brackets, code, and media, which is you create something once and you sell it twice. Could be a digital product, could be um, a YouTube video, could be a movie. Capital means money. To raise money, apply your specific knowledge with accountability and show resulting good judgment. Labor means people working for you. It's the oldest and most fought over form of leverage. Labor leverage will impress your parents, but don't waste your life chasing it. And you no longer need to be an IBM or have 500 employees. You could just be a, a one-man team creating wealth, creating passive income. If you can't code, write books and blogs, record videos and podcasts. I'm totally all over it. Leverage is a force multiplier for your judgment. Judgment requires experience, but can be built faster by learning foundational skills. And I would add to that, which is learning a little bit about mental models and how they work. I think they're great frameworks to just kind of see things differently, get new perspectives. In terms of those learning foundational skills, mental models are also super helpful. There is no skill called business. Avoid business magazines and business classes. I think as a designer as well, I, I can totally relate is that once you step away from your desk, talk to people who are not designers. Study microeconomics, game theory, psychology, persuasion, ethics, mathematics, and computers. Reading is faster than listening. Doing is faster than watching. Create more than you consume. Set and enforce an aspirational personal hourly rate. If fixing a problem will save less than an hour hourly rate, ignore it. If outsourcing a task will cost less than your hourly rate, outsource it. That is a beautiful formula for how, because a lot of times we don't value our time. We're like, oh, I went like on a two hour long drive to save like $10. It's like in that equation, in that argument, you've completely ignored the fact that time is the one thing that you cannot get more of. Value your time more than you value anything else. By the way, so the tweet storm goes on and I, I'm going to link it in the description below. You can go and check it out for yourself, but I'm going to end it on this final thread. When you're finally wealthy, you'll realize that it wasn't what you were seeking in the first place, but that's for another day. I highly recommend listening to Novel's podcast, really sensible guy. In fact, I will link Novel's How to Get Rich podcast plus the tweet storm in the description below for you to check out. I feel like my relationship with money has always been like, you know, uh, when I have it, I spend all of it. And 
And when I don't have it, I am able to live in this frugal state. But now as I get older and wiser, sort of, I'm trying to invest and plan for long term. It's completely normal and very common to struggle with finances and money and spending and buying things that you don't need. And then the whole like argument of like, you know, you're buying things to show off to people that don't even give up. I think as a, as a creative person, we're so lost in like emotions, experiences and ideas and the art of things that we completely ignore. And, and in our mind, the perception of money is so negative. Hence, like the starving artist. You have to first accept that money is a good thing and it creates leverage. It gives you resources. It gives you assets. It helps you. It puts you in a position where you're not making decisions out of desperation. And by the way, in desperation, you can neither get a client or find a partner. Because if you're desperate in front of a girl, she's not going to like you. And if you're desperate in front of a client, they're not going to want you. So it's important to get financially literate and see money as a positive sum game based on novel and leverage it so that you can be free. Let's end today's episode on this very nice tweet, which is if you need external motivation to work on a goal, it's not your goal. This kind of life is a miserable existence filled with inner conflicts. A genuine goal comes from within. And the goal itself motivates you to work on it. Person on such a pursuit is unstoppable. You're intrinsically motivated to do something. You don't need external validation, something that genuinely excites your curiosity and you're interested in it because it's something that you want to do for yourself. In fact, I've been like thinking about if I had all the money in the world, what would I be doing with my time? I'm constantly, I'm constantly asking myself that question and trying to figure out if I had all the money in the world, what would I be doing with every waking moment of my life? Things that are really clear are like, okay, I would want to be bike riding, running from things. No, I'm just kidding. I would want to be, you know, running for fitness. I would want to be doing, you know, strength training and being like, at the peak physical version of myself, that's one thing I would definitely be doing if, and basically that would mean I would spend three hours a day just doing this stuff, which seems like a lot, but it's not. Uh, Cause typically when I go for like long ass bike rides, but like, let's say a 70 kilometer bike ride or a hundred kilometer bike ride, you're kind of out there riding for about two hours and two and a half hours, three hours, depending on, I love making these videos and just talking into the camera and just shooting the shit. So that's another thing that I really enjoy doing. I like the work that I do right now, which is amazing, which, which is great because I'm actually, I feel pretty lucky that I'm able to do what I would naturally be doing, but get paid to do it. Not everybody's uh, privileged or lucky to find that. You know? A lot of people struggle you know, go their whole life without ever experiencing that. Another thing I was reading a couple of days ago was that this idea of like, you know, pursue your passion is like a, is like a completely Western concept. 
I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I was reading about it and I was like, oh, really? Because a lot of times I think about like, you know, the the generation before us, they just like worked one job for 40 years, 30 years, and they were satisfied. They were con- they were content with their work, their salary, even like this idea of like individuality. You need your own place. That's for the next episode. Tune in tomorrow and we'll talk about individuality, living in a family versus living alone. Sasrikal, namaste, hello, bye. I'll see you in the next episode.